Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Krakowski, and I'm so grateful for you to join me today. In this episode, I get to connect with an incredible coach and mentor, Nicole Spencer. Nicole's the creator of Authentic Conversion, and she's one of the most genuine people in the world of online business coaching that I've seen. I was excited to talk with Nicole and dive into who she is and her experiences that have helped her create a multi-million dollar coaching business. There's so much smoke and mirrors out there, especially in the world of online marketing, and it's so saturated with noise, it can easily be confusing and incredibly challenging to know what direction is best to take. Nicole's message and the content she puts out is authentic, it's simple, and as I said before, genuine. And it was so great to speak with her here, and I know you'll get a lot just from her energy alone. So I appreciate you spending some time with me here. If you enjoy this episode, hope you can take a moment and give it a great review. And wherever you're listening, please share it with a friend. Help spread the message of strength for me. All right, guys, thank you so much. And now let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. And Nicole, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you for inviting me to be here. <laughs> I, pr- I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a lot uh, going on. I, I just saw you. Uh, you were at a pretty cool um, adventure, it seems. I saw your cold plunge video there. It seemed like, was that, yeah. a, was that a mastermind that you were at? Yeah, or was that I'm, I'm part of a we'll call it like a business mastermind, but it's really focused on mental reprogramming work. Um, so mm-hmm. that was, that was part of that work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. awesome. I've, I've seen that. I've, I've been in that world before yeah. of facing, of facing the cold and, uh, I think yeah. had a cool message about that. So it sounded yeah. like a pretty cool experience. It was, it was definitely. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. I mean, I said, I met you about like a million years ago, it seems at CKFMS, which was yeah. I think about a decade ago before. It, and, um, it was more than a decade ago. I think that was, was it? like, it was 2010 or 11 was that, yeah. is when I was still living in New York. Yeah. So it was a really long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. I've it, it's, that was such an awesome conference. I still go back to, to the lessons in that, but yeah. I remember you from there. And honestly, since, you know, then I've seen the content that you're putting out and the work you do now with really helping entrepreneurs, especially in the online coaching world, which can be such a confusing kind of, you know, cut through the bullshit type world in here. And uh, yeah. the message that you had is just super authentic. Um, I've seen the success that you're having with your clientele. And uh, I really appreciate it. I'm excited to just have a genuine conversation with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Well, to, to, well, to bring it back a bit, um, you know, I always like to hear the origin story, how you found yourself in this world. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were in teaching first in high yeah. school and then kind of transitioned into kind of the health and fitness world. What inspired you to want to get into the world of health and fitness? Yeah, well, so I grew up as a competitive dancer um, and I was even into my early 20s, I was a choreographer. I was doing choreography for competitive dancers um, and I was in college and uh, but never really loved working out. I danced and did yoga and stuff like that. And then um, I went to school and got to be a high school English teacher and realized really within my student teaching that that wasn't going to be my future. But I had, you know, this was like 2004, maybe, you know, and there just weren't options like there are now. And so um, I did some teaching for a couple of years and um, decided I had to get out of there. And I had always wanted to go to graduate school. So I ended up applying for a graduate program. Um, it got almost fully funded for it uh, out of state. So I moved from North Carolina where I was teaching to New Jersey, went and got a master's degree in Holocaust and genocide studies. 
um, where I thought that I would, you know, do, I, I thought at first maybe I would do um, like PhD work and uh, go be mm-hmm. a professor. That was kind of like my original goal, even before I finished undergrad. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, go work for an NGO and yeah. live in, you know, third world countries. And, <laughs> um, and then I ended up meeting um, the most wonderful person who is now my ex-husband, but I still think he's wonderful. Right. Um, so we met in graduate school when we got married. And um, so that his job took us to New York City. And I thought, well, this is perfect. I'm, you know, like the United Nations is is based mm-hmm. here. And that was kind of my dream was to to work for the UN. But I, there I was in my like mid 20s mm-hmm. and um, don't speak multiple languages. And there was just basically no chance of them hiring me. And actually my um, one of my very favorite clients ever for personal training when I lived in New York, she was um, she worked for the UN. She was a Bosnian woman who became a journalist during war there. And now she directs in the peacekeeping operations. And she has like the coolest story. And she basically oh, wow. told me, yeah, she basically told me, she's like, they're not going to hire you. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. So, um, so, cause I kind of still had that dream even once I was like, sure. Yeah. Training. But, um, but so anyway, I was living in New York and I was waiting tables again, which I had done for like 10 years before that. Yep. Um, and I remember I was like at my locker in this like dingy basement of the restaurant where I worked in one day. And I was talking to this guy, I don't even remember what his name is. And he said, yeah, I just, you know, got personal training certified. And at the time I was like, um, I'd gotten really into kettlebells in uh, graduate school and was working out a lot and doing a lot of yoga. And I was like, well, I could do that too. That's better than working here. <laughs> so um, I signed up for the ACE certification and um, really focused on that. I think I got it in like, I don't know, six weeks or something sure. like that. Um, and then I applied for a job at an Equinox, got hired as a trainer there with Within four months, I was the fitness manager. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, so that's kind of like the origin story of how we ended up here. I mean, that doesn't really, it doesn't really explain the business coaching. Do you want me to keep going? Well, you said, so you said like you knew teaching wasn't for you pretty early on when you got into kind of the world of fitness. And I know the Equinox world, you know, very well from uh, many friends that I worked with. Did you know right away, like, okay, this is the path that I want to get into, or was it still kind of just a job and kind of you were really good at it? Um, I think that I was really in love with it at first. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought it was like the coolest thing ever to do, you know, to help people through workouts. And I was training for my RKC at the time. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really cool. But then once I mean, the, the pay was terrible. Yeah. It was horrible uh, for living in New York. And it, I think it was making like $23 an hour. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, the, the manager had seen something in me and he was like, I want you to be, you know, my other manager. Sure. So that happened really fast and it was great. And I'm really grateful for the experience, but I learned really quickly that the corporate fitness environment was not for me. Mm. Um, and so when we had the opportunity to leave New York and move to this small town in Southeast Georgia, where my ex-husband got a new job or a shift in his job, mm. um, I was all about it. I couldn't get out of New York fast enough. It was, it was really tough because as the fitness manager, I was working, I never had like two days off in a row and I would go and do private clients in home before that I would start to do clients in the gym in the morning. Then I would do the management stuff all day and then uh, I would mm-hmm. do training sessions at night. So especially like in winter, I just wasn't even seeing sunlight almost. 
It's the most oh. like not to get coffee because the Equinox where I worked, the the bottom two floors where the office and the main training areas were were in the basement. So yep. uh, so really no windows. So it, I I ended up feeling like really really depressed. Um, and I was still working out, but not taking great care of myself and my health. And I was eating really horribly. And thank goodness I was still in my late twenties at this point because yeah. you know otherwise it would have been a little bit of a disaster. But um, but yeah, so we ended up moving and we got to this small town in Southeast Georgia. And I'd had this idea because he had said to me, he said, if we move, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to open a fitness studio. And, <laughs> and I don't think I really like believed it at the time. So we, we got to Brunswick, Georgia, and I had never really spent time or lived in a place like that, which was a really small, it was really a really small town. Uh-huh. Um, there just wasn't a lot there in terms of anything. And so I was, you know, thinking about, okay, like I was, I was very scared to do it. Everyone I was talking to about my idea was like, that's a terrible idea. No one here is interested in that. Um, even people in health and wellness. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, there were parts of me that was like, okay, do I need to like go back to teaching or and I, at that point mm-hmm. I had been out of teaching for so long. I didn't think I would have even known. How to right. Do it. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember about like literature anymore. And so um, I decided I actually, it was through the RKC. I got on a webinar one day with a guy who ran a fitness business coaching company, which is not something I knew existed. And there were not very many of them back in, that was probably like 2011. Mm-hmm. And so I found that organization. I ended up going to an event that they were hosting a couple hours away. It was in Florida. And seeing what I felt like were my people, I was seeing like all these people who had done what I wanted to do. And it really helped me build my belief in myself. So I ended up buying one of their coaching programs, working with them for six months before starting my gym and the whole time that I had my gym as well. Mm. And, um, it was, that was the reason for my success was learning the basics of marketing and sales and learning how to package and price my services Uh. appropriately. And then of course, like really building up my belief system, And so that business grew to six figures in the first five months uh, in a small town where I didn't know anyone at boot camp rates, which was like $130 a month. (laughs) And then, um, and then from there about a year before, so I ended up selling it in 2015 and Mm -hmm. moving back here, I got divorced and hated living down there anyway, but I wanted to, so I always wanted to move back to where I am now, which is Aspen, North Carolina. This is more of my hometown. And um, so you know, so they had this fitness business coaching company a year before I sold, ended up recruiting me, asking me to do some contract business coaching for them. So I did, I was doing their, I started coaching their clients. I went full-time within a couple of months and then they had me traveling all over, teaching workshops on the weekends and hosting events and things like that. Um, so I did that working with them for three and a half years. Uh, it was great until it wasn't. And um, then five years ago, broke away, literally almost five years ago to the day, uh, spent three months prepping and then launched my company, Authentic Conversion. So that's kind of a long, long-winded story. But that's that's a beautiful timeline right there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have so many parallels with you from the management side of it. You know, I was in a private business, but kind of corporate feeling selling of managing and understand that world of training in the morning, then you're managing all day, then you're doing clients in the evening time. And mm-hmm. I used to say the same thing in the winter time here in New York. I'm like, you woke up in the dark and you went home in the dark. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you, you think, especially when you're young, that you can just do that forever. You just got this endless energy, Yeah. Um, but you're just kind of just in the trenches every day until mm-hmm. eventually 
that comes out. But it's interesting that you said kind of you found your people in this kind of business group. Mm -hmm. And then when you said kind of built your belief around it, was it because you kind of got the, was it, did your belief come from getting like the basic structures down or did you feel like you needed to get that belief first? And then all of a sudden, like learning the marketing structures and kind of the systems kind of came afterwards. Yeah, I think it was really just seeing people who had done what I was thinking about doing and seeing that it was possible. And honestly, I was talking to some clients about this recently. I just think that I had a little bit of like naive blind faith, to be honest. I was like, they say that they can help me. They say this is going to work. If I just do everything they say, then I'm going to get this result. And mm-hmm. um, and I think that was honestly one of like the, the best things about how I went into approaching this business. It was just like, okay, okay, right. I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> like I just trust it all. Yes, I'll give, you know, 100% of my personal credit and every dollar of cash I have to start this business. Here we go. Yeah. Fine. And it's going to work. And okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was interesting because like I was afraid before I found this group of people. And then afterwards I was like, whatever, (laughs) I'm going to make it work. So, um, so yeah, I think for me, the belief came first and I was never, I, I was naive in the blind faith part of it, which I'm glad that I was, but I was never naive enough to, to believe that I could build a business that I wanted to build without getting support from people who are, had already done it. Um, Mm. Like, and this again was like 2011. So this is a very different era. Uh, But, you know, I thought that marketing meant you got a billboard. (laughs) It's like marketing, I guess you get a, you get a billboard. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know what else you do. Right. Um, And so I didn't know what I didn't know. And I knew that. And that was enough for me to say yes to getting that support. So that was honestly the reason you and I are like sitting here talking Mm -hmm. today is because I made that decision to invest in that program six months before I opened my gym when it was my last like bit of personal credit line. (laughs) Yeah. Decision I've ever made. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I think a lot of people could be in that situation, but almost an paralysis by analysis can come in where it's Mm -hmm. like, should I do this or not? It's my last dollar. I have nothing else afterwards. But Mm -hmm. in your mind, you, you know, like, all right, well, I need to do something. I need to get Mm -hmm. it. And if you don't have a reference point, you haven't done it before. Sometimes you need to just rely on that faith. And it seemed like you, did you have a lot of like back and forth in your mind of like, should I do this or not? Or did you just know it's like, okay, I need to invest in this. This is going to be my direction to go. And I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and just kind it of go was, from there. It, it was, I mean, there was a should I for sure, because it was literally like the last bit of personal credit I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like $6,000 and I'd already bought, um, I mean, I I think at the time I had like $35,000 or something like that available in personal credit and $10,000 in cash. The 10,000 was used for um, the build out of the facility and buying the mirrors. Mm-hmm. The, the other um, like 30K or whatever, I had like 50 kettlebells sitting in my garage. Yeah. Like I bought, you know, all this equipment and the floors and stuff like that. So I literally had enough on my credit limit <laughs> to pay for this program. So that part was, oh, that was scary. Like that was very scary. Um, but there was never a, should I do this or not? Because I was not naive enough to think that I could make it what it needed to be or what I wanted it to be without learning a process from people who had already done it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
So this was, so you had, this was the brick and mortar that was in Georgia and then mm-hmm. you moved to North Carolina and now you've built your company authentic conversion yeah. and built it up there. Did you think you would go back to like building a brick and mortar, like in North no. Carolina, or you knew that you were going to go? No, on I mean, there were, there were moments like, cause I really did. I really did love it. Um, but I think like, so I worked for this other company for three and a half years. And um, the first, I would say two to two and a half years were really amazing, like really amazing. They sent me all over the world to teach. I was mm-hmm. literally like two weekends a month teaching fitness business workshops. I was in Australia hosting, like emceeing an event. I was in London four times in one year teaching all over the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. But the last like year to year and a half was honestly, it was really awful. Like it was a really mm-hmm. awful experience. And so I think during that time, I was like, maybe I would build another gym. I was like, maybe I could do this again. Um, but I didn't really want to. So it was more like mm-hmm. a solution to the pain that I was okay. in and like, you know, being able to do something different. It wasn't from really the place of desire that I had the first time I did it. And I'm really grateful for the experience. It was, it, it, honestly, it was, it went exceptionally well as, as gyms go, we were profitable in the second month and we're profitable every month after that, mm-hmm. um, which is almost unheard of, yeah. you know? So, so that was, a, that was really beautiful. It was, I was really grateful for it, but would I do it again? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's, do you think like, it was almost like you outgrew the system at that point and you were just ready to do something like bigger and more challenging for well, yourself? Well, actually or? that's a good question. So I would say within the first six months of having the gym, like I loved teaching fitness. I loved teaching kettlebells. It was really, you know, designed to help middle aged women lose weight, but I really fell in love with the business side of things um, pretty early on. And I realized the cause and effect. I was like, Oh, if I go do this thing, then I get clients who I can help and I make money. I like how that works. And so Mm -hmm. I really loved being a business owner and all the things business. And then when I had the opportunity to start coaching business, that was like world changing for me because I loved that. And I still love it so much more than I ever loved coaching fitness, like night and day. Um, so what's the, what's the difference? Is there like a bit, like a one thing that like just feels different when you're working with coaches versus kind of working with more of like a, a general population clientele? Um, I mean, for me, like at this point in my life, you know, and this is all, I've been in fitness now for like 12 or 13 years or like under that space. (laughs) Um, I just don't really want to have that conversation anymore. Right. Like I don't want to teach someone how to move. I don't want to talk to someone about vegetables. I don't want to like, I don't, I just don't want to have those conversations. It's not interesting. (laughs) Um, And I felt that way for a really long time. And I can actually tell you, so there was a, I didn't even mention this. There was a time Mm -hmm. when I was doing the fitness business coaching, working for this other company. Mm -hmm. And um, I, had a bunch of clients that were clients at my gym who reached out to me and they were like, Hey, you know, would you be willing to create something online for us? So I did. So for about a year and a half, I did online weight loss coaching as well. Um, and I think at the time I was still kind of like looking for a solution for how I could make a transition out of what I was doing but I never really loved it. And it wasn't because it was online versus in person. I think I was just a little bit beyond that point in my life already. And I remember having, I, I shut it down like immediately. Like there was one day when I just shut it down and I literally remember I was having a conversation with one particular client who she's the sweetest woman. She was an early member of my fitness studio, a member on and off throughout worked with me on and off online. Mm -hmm. And we had this conversation and she was like giving me more reasons why she couldn't 
work out and eat vegetables and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm not having this conversation ever again with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so like there was just a moment where I really, and I think part of it was like my identity, you know, it's, it's how sure. I had really formulated myself. And that was hard for me to let go of this like weight loss coach and, you know, kettlebell instructor and everything. And then I was like, you know what? Like I just needed a, a breaking point where it was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to table this conversation permanently. Mm. <laughs> so that that's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. You brought up like, cause the identity, I think a lot of people can be in that situation, you know, something that you, you see success with, like you said, you were profitable after your second month and you mm-hmm. kept being profitable. It's hard to just think like, Oh, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Like you attach so deeply to mm-hmm. that and to navigate. Oh, do you see a lot of the people that you work with are in a similar struggle when they first get started with you? Is it kind of an identity thing or what's kind of like the main struggles that mm-hmm. people seem like they have when they're first getting started in their I'm, business? I'm going to call it all the business things. Yeah, so, all the things, um, yeah. So, you know, I work with coaches making anywhere from $0 to, I think my highest earning right now, um, is like 50 to 60,000 a month Mm -hmm. um, in their online businesses. I have uh, two that I think will break a million next year. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, But like in the, when clients initially start to work with me, they're typically at either zero and they're just looking Mm -hmm. to get started or they've been doing stuff and they aren't really making money Mm -hmm. or it's not consistent or they're only making a few thousand dollars a month. Right. And they want to get to six figures or multiple six figures. And I will say, um, you know, there's just an entire, oftentimes lack of awareness around what it takes to actually start and build a business, which for me comes down to creating the right types of offers and understanding marketing and sales strategy, right? Mm. Because especially with coaching, I think so many people are really passionate about their type of coaching and the clients and the transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, but they neglect to learn those business skills, which we all know, if you don't learn the business skills, you don't have the clients to help. So I think that's even more important than like your ability to coach clients really well. Like you've, you've got to get those skills down. So I would say when people first, you know, kind of are asking questions or first joining my program, they are doing it because they want to learn how to create the right offers online, how to market and how to sell those offers, because it is um, complex and it's become more complex over the years for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. But um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such a strange world of of online business now. It seems with which you know social. There's a million different social media platforms. There's ways to, you know, market it. And it seems like most coaches, most of us, were super passionate about it. Yeah. But is it kind of when they get into the business side of it, they think that they need to know all this stuff, like they need to like be like an expert in business. And like, um, so just kind of getting like the, the basic frameworks down just seems like it's kind of like the challenging piece or. I don't think that I see people who feel like they need to become an expert in business. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of the people that I see are like, I, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know how to turn this into something that produces income consistently and income at high levels consistently. And that's, that's what they want to learn. Gotcha. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, um, I guess like with those struggles there, like when you get somebody first started in it, like, is it, are you looking at like the business as a whole? Is it focused more on like mindset first of like getting them to believe in their system Mm -hmm. first? Kind of what's the process that you go about with first getting started with someone? 
Yeah. I mean, we, so we thread like mindset and business energetics through mm-hmm. everything, like through every single conversation that is threaded in, because I am a firm believer that your success ultimately is 90% your thoughts, your belief systems, the mm-hmm. energetics that you're putting out into the world, the energetics behind your business. And, you know, maybe 10% is the strategy and tactics. However, they are equally important um, in ways because you can like, you know, try to manifest or whatever all day and believe all <laughs> But if you don't actually have the actionable plan, then you're not going to get there either. But I think especially in earlier stages of business, so many people are really struggling because it's hard, right? Like building a business is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's also the greatest thing. It's also the most rewarding thing. It's also the reason that I've created really substantial freedom in my life, financially, location-wise, setting my schedule, all of that. And so I think that, um, when it comes to like the actual structure, right? Like Mm -hmm. the mindset is an important thread to have throughout. So I'm getting ready to, after we're done with this interview, um, coach my uh, marketing intensive group, which are my um, group of more startup coaches. And um, we are doing a training on um, behavioral patterns and creating alignment for yourself in your business today. But the, the whole program itself is offer creation, marketing and sales. So what we do is we like, we start with the offer creation. Um, We start, and then we go into some messaging components so that they know how to speak to their person. Then we go into some sales and pitch processes. Uh, Then I actually, by the fourth week, I have them launch their business. Then we're teaching them how to have, um, how to create content that connects, Mm -hmm. how to have um, not cold direct messages with people, but actually effective DMs. We talk about a variety of offline marketing tactics. So that's kind of like the the first chunk of the program. It's broken into two phases. And then the second phase is really about building out their entire long-term marketing strategy and the assets that go with that. So when they're complete, they have an action plan for what they're doing every day, every week, every month, every quarter in order Mm. to get to at least six figures, if not multiple six figures in their business. It's all organic marketing. So we don't teach anything to do with ads um, for a variety of reasons, but mm-hmm. that's really the process. So yeah, it's like, it's a, it's progressive. There is an order to it and it's a very important order and it's a very intentional order. And the mind work is also threaded into pretty much every conversation that we have. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do it, you do it all organically, which I think is, mm-hmm. is awesome that you do. And you said you do that for a particular reason. Is it mostly because you want people to get into the structure and the process of doing it every single day and kind of building an authentic audience or? Um, I mean, there's a component of it and I actually love ads. I run a lot of ads in my business now, but I didn't until I was doing about a half a million a year in revenue. Um, and I find that for my clients, I don't really want them even doing any paid ads until they're close to six figures. And the reason has more to do with the fact that no one is going to buy coaching from your ad. No one's going to click your link and book a call and spend a thousand plus on your coaching program, which is a whole other conversation, right? Because that's really about having the right offer. Um, that is not how the world works today. Could you do that in 2018? Yes. Could you do it before 2018? For sure. Um, maybe 2019, maybe even a little 2020 as things Mm -hmm. were really shifting online with the pandemic. But the way that the world is working today and the way that the social media space is working today is that people's red flags are on more alert than ever before. There's more noise coming at them than ever before. Mm -hmm. They've been burned more than ever before. And so if someone's going to buy coaching, it's going to be from someone they've seen that they've paid attention to and that they trust, right? Because coaching is ultimately a trust-based business. Right. And so 
so, so the idea that someone's just going to like click on your ad and buy your program um, is not particularly useful. And there are tactics, I think, with ads that could work in earlier stages of business. But the problem is, is that when people go in and they focus too quickly on ads, number one, they're very expensive. So you have to be willing to spend a lot of money right. um, mm-hmm. just to, to tweak and to test and to start to like even see any results. And if you don't know how to convert and connect with people organically, you will not ever convert anyone from ads. So even when like the way that my business works now is even when we drive people from an ad into my world, it's an organic conversion on the back end. There's never an ad that's like, hey, click here to buy. Hey, click here to schedule a call. Hey, click here for whatever. It's always still an organic conversion process. And we just now have scaled things up with more paid lead generation. So um, it just won't work. (laughs) So that's kind of like the, that's kind of the summary. Um, Because again, there is so much that's required to get people to know, like trust and ultimately buy from you, see why you're different from everything else out there on the market, see why you're the solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, that's interesting. Did you see a lot of this change just with the pandemic and everybody switched to online so much? Cause it seemed like even like five or six years ago, like if you were doing Facebook ads, that was like printing money. It's like, they were so yeah. they were cheap so, and like people were yeah. like going yeah. into it so quickly, but now it seems like it, it changed just like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's been a gradual change. I started running ads in my gym in 2013. That's when Facebook ads for small business became a thing. So even in my first year plus in business, that wasn't a thing. Like people just weren't using. So I had a business page and people actually saw your business page, <laughs> but like it wasn't, it still really wasn't a thing. And then when it was, it was like printing money, um, especially where I live. Like no one was doing it. You could have a blurry picture, bad copy and a payment link and people would send you money and it worked beautifully. And it was really nice and wonderful. And I preferred it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, wish it was still that way today. Right. But, um, but I can even remember like in 2015, I started to really notice a big change. There was more competition in the space. Um, so like, I remember there was a six week program I ran in early 2015. And I think I put like a few hundred dollars into ads and did 15,000 in sales from it. And I was like, sweet, let's do this again. <laughs> like a couple months later. Yeah, right. And then I, I think I put in the same amount and then made like $2,000. Like there were already shifts that were starting to, to, we were starting to feel in 2015. Um, then, you know, what became really popular in the coaching space were like automated webinar funnels, right? So it's like, hey, come attend this live, but it's not really yeah. live training and book a call. And like, that was the conversion tactic, right, right. Say, you know, probably 2017 into 2019. And then that kind of stopped working. Um, and then I, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just like, you know, more and more people moving into the space creates more and more noise, which I actually will clarify for your listeners. I don't think is actually a problem. So um, I don't think competition is a problem. I don't think noise is a problem Mm -hmm. because it's very few people. I have done a whole podcast, like many podcast episodes where I talk about this in some variation. I have this whole 5% rule that I'm like really big on. And my philosophy is that in any area of life or business, it's only 5% of people who say they want to do something extraordinary, who will actually do it. So you have a lot of people down here who are like, yes, I want to be an online coach. Yes. I want to make a lot of money. Yes. I want to, you know, have time freedom and location freedom and work from everywhere. But the number of people from that pool who are actually going to do it is probably 5%, maybe even less. So to me, and it's because it's hard, right? And you got to make scary decisions. You have to invest money. You have to invest time. You have to invest energy. You have to learn the business skills. And when most people realize what's actually required, they just kind of 
a load away. Right. Right. So I, uh, one of the people I follow on Instagram who I really like, he describes it as like the, the bottom of the market saturated, but the top of the market where, um, you know, people are, are making the scary choices mm. and investing the money and being exceptional. That's the space that will never be overly crowded. So I think if you're willing to, from the very beginning, do what it takes, hire the mentor, learn the skills, invest the, the energy that's required, do the scary things, then you can separate yourself. So again, a lot of noise, not a lot mm-hmm. of long-term like quote unquote competition. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's like in the podcast world, I think there's like over 4 million podcasts, but mm-hmm. mo- but 99% of them don't go past seven episodes. Yeah. So it's like everybody's That's starting a podcast. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, it's really cool to start a podcast and do it, but actually do it like over yeah. and over again and actually build over 10 episodes or so. It's actually like a very small pool from there. Well, it's like, I mean, there's so many great parallels between business and fitness, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with fitness. Like most people would love to be in shape and be healthy and have the body of their dreams. But I would argue that 95, maybe 99% Mm -hmm. of them get through seven workouts or seven weeks or whatever, and then they're back off track, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you, because your listeners are probably mostly fitness based, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with business. Like I, I always ask people, like, do you treat your business like, you treat your body, right? Where you're consistent and you're focused and you're disciplined and you invest in it and you do the thing, even when you're not motivated or you do the the lift or whatever that challenges you to the next level, even when it's scary, it's all the same stuff that's required for business, except I think for people, it's even scarier for um, making some of those decisions because there's money involved. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so I think that's just yeah. a really good question to ask yourself. Like, do you yeah. treat your business? Like you treat your body? Let me ask you for the people who are kind of just getting started. Is there a, a thought you see with them that they feel like they need to be so creative and so dynamic before they get the basics down? You know, I always thought the, the analogy that Robert Greene used in his book, Mastery, was so interesting of like, you have the apprenticeship phase where that's kind of like just getting your reps in, just do it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Then eventually you get to the creative active where it's like, you're putting your own spin on things. And it seems like in the online world, people almost think like we need to get so quickly to the creative spin where if you actually just seem like you just get your reps in, like you said, like if you're just putting out good content and just following up with the people who are actually liking your stuff and following, you're probably going to get some pretty good success. Yeah. Right I think consistency over creativity for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, do I, I hate to say doing it in the right right way. Cause I think there is probably more than one right way to build a business, but doing it in the way that is working in the world that we live in today. Cause it really is shifting every couple of years. So, you know, you can't do something that people did back in 2016 and expect to get the same results. Yeah. And that's so, it's so interesting. Cause it seems like 2016. Oh yeah. That's like just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Things have changed so much yeah. and they just, yeah, they shift <laughs> so much in entrepreneurship. So Mm -hmm. what with you, like, is there specific practices that you do to keep yourself like in the right mind? I mean, you've been doing this for a while. You're very successful, but I'm sure you have times when, you know, your energy's down or you're like off. Like, do you have specific practices that you focus on every day that you also teach kind of to the people that you're working with? 
Well, I mean, so for me, I think that my number one key to success is and always will be mentorship. I have, um, I'm in two different masterminds right now. One's much more like business strategy focused. The other one is uh, the one that I mentioned earlier, which is all mental work. Um, Mm -hmm. Then I'm in four private mentorships as well. So I have... um, uh, two coaches who are very much like in the spiritual realm. Um, and they also do mm-hmm. like business work as well. So it, they're really interesting to work with. Um, and then two others who kind of have the same vibe, but they're much more like business strategy. So, and then I have a marketing consultant I work with. I have my ads manager. Um, so I am very supported in my business and I've always been very supported in my business. Even when I had no money, even when there was, <laughs> there was no money. It was like credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have that support. And I think that that's one of the, that, that is my key to success. Like if I had to say one thing, um, and in terms of like how I manage myself, um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's connecting with those people. Um, I have a friend who is here local to me and we do some like really deep dive, like inner work together, mm-hmm. usually about once a month. So like she comes to my house and we usually spend like five or six hours together, just like going very deep on stuff. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm inconsistent with my meditation practices. Um, really working on consistency <laughs> as, as everyone is and nobody yeah. will admit. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, And, uh, but for me also just like making a point to learn every single day is also really, really critical. So whether it's as simple as listening to a quick podcast or reading or like listening to an audio book or like I have, um, just sitting right here, I have my journal from the event that I was just at and, um, you know, going back through that and kind of like thinking about it, but some type of, of learning each day is really, um, really important Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like you said, like the, like your meditation practice, like mm-hmm. we're off and on from that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people beat themselves up over that. I yeah. think like they need to be perfect. Do you, do a lot of people you see, like, do they feel like they need to be perfect on every single day? Otherwise, like everything's off or, um, or do they kind of, do they recognize, do they recognize, yeah. Do they recognize yeah. that things are going to go up and down? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's interesting, right? Because I can preach consistency in fitness all day, every day. Cause I'm still consistent in that, right? I can preach consistency in business. Cause I, that is the thing in my life other than like loving my dog who's asleep in her bed right there. Yeah. And like, I am most consistent in, um, but yeah, other things I find to be a little bit more challenging. So I think it's just developing that discipline and, you know, I have clients, especially people who have been working with me for a really long time who say like, um, like if I don't start my morning, with my morning practice the whole day is off. And I don't necessarily feel like that. I feel like I go through phases where I really love that and it makes me feel good and it makes me feel grounded. And then times where I don't actually want a morning practice, I want to do it at different times during the day when I feel like less like I need to be plugged into work. And then I have times where I feel like I don't really want to do it at all. And what I've learned about routines for myself is that it has to, like, it has to be something that I want to do. Otherwise it just feels like a chore. And I feel like that's kind of killing the purpose. So I've accepted a little bit like the ebb and flow at stages of life, um, where that is. Um, and I can speak for myself and probably for other people too, when I put the pressure on myself for it to be perfect, um, I can do it for a certain period of time. And then I just, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's so it's so interesting you said that about routine. I forget where I heard this from. It might have been from Layla Hormozzi, but it's said about routines. It's like you routines are good to have, but when you start relying on your routines, thinking that that is 
like the only thing that's going to get you in. It's kind of the analogy I've always used is like the train track versus the highway. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you think it's like a train track, like it's very rigid, you're on one path. And if anything is off the whole train derails Mm -hmm. when in entrepreneurship and just, you know, life and strength in general Mm -hmm. is really, it's more like a highway, right? You're going to take different lanes at different days, Mm -hmm. you know, from there. And that's what I, what I seem to learn from entrepreneurship is yeah, like every day, could be so different. And one of the things you mentioned in one of your podcasts I listened to was about intuition mm-hmm. and kind of developing your intuition. And that kind of gives your inner voice to actually understand like where you need to go. Like mm-hmm. has intuition always been something that you've relied on or is that like a skill that you've built up over time as you've developed in your career? I mean, it's honestly, it's hard to say because I don't think it was even really something that I was aware of, like until the last couple of years, Um, you know, part of me says intuition has gotten me to where I am. So that's great. But I've also made a lot of mistakes. And I Mm -hmm. think like learning to hear your own inner voice and actually trust it is a, it's an engaged process. It's for, for me, at least like, this is why now I do so much work um, with the mental programming with spiritual mentors and things like that, because Mm -hmm learning to uh, discern and to pay attention and to ask for guidance and to listen uh, for that that inner wisdom and support. I, I do think it's actually like, I think some people probably are just like naturally more open to that. I think I have good intuition because of the results I've created in my life. Mm-hmm. But I also think that sometimes we can get in our day-to-day and we can get so busy that it can be really hard to either hear or trust potentially. So. Sure. Can I ask you about um, kind of the the spiritual benefits that you've got of stuff mm-hmm. with business? It's like, yeah. that's something that is, it's it's been such a profound effect on me over the last year of mm-hmm. adding kind of spiritual practice and combining mm-hmm. that with mental and physical sides. Is that something that you've always had or is that something that you have just recently got into? Yeah, with- it's also been very recent for me. Mm-hmm. I um, I started working with um, a business mentor about five years ago who it was like totally out there for me. I actually, she's actually local here. I was at a business networking event and I met her and she works like in your Akashic records. And I'd never heard of that before. And I didn't even know what that meant, but I was really drawn to her. And I knew that one day we'd work together. So she actually coaches in my mastermind now. um, And she's been on my support team for almost five years. So, um, so that was kind of like my first introduction to it. I had never really even been interested before or like known what was available. Um, And then particularly, I would say in the last year and a half, I've really been seeking it. Um, And then actually my second business mentor who I hired before, uh, launching my coaching program um she like describes herself as having like like the soul work and strategy so she was a great strategist but also like I was constantly hearing her talk in spiritual language and stuff and it didn't resonate with me at that time I was just like this is this isn't what I'm here for um but the strategy was so good um but now it's actually something that I I do really seek and I'll tell you I um uh, my business will have grown by about 30% lot, and we're in the millions. So that's like mm-hmm. pretty, pretty big. Um, but it grew in the last year uh, from end of 2021 to what we're projecting for the end of 2022. It'll have grown by over 30%. And again, when you're, once you're in the wow. millions, it's pretty substantial. And what's interesting is the, I mean, I've brought on a little bit more team, obviously to support more people, but sure. um, the only big difference in terms of like, what I do, it has been the spiritual work. The strategy has been the same. 
yeah, that's, that's so crazy. It is. It's, uh, it's something that's almost challenging sometimes to speak about because yeah. everybody has their own kind of connotations or their upbringing of that. But, you know, the thing that I saw, I don't know if this resonates with you, but it's just really more about like surrendering to the fact that you're doing the right things and, to, and letting go of control that you think that you have. And once you mm-hmm. do that, all of a sudden things just start to explode and they start to expand because you're not giving energy into things that you have no control over. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That seemed like the biggest benefit. I don't know if that kind of resonates with you of some of the same practice. Yeah. And I think for me, it's been realizing like things are ne- are not what I believed they were, that the world doesn't work the way that I thought it does, that there are so many more layers to it. And that, yeah, like the, yeah, that that's been mostly, it is just like a totally like conscious ex- expansiveness mm-hmm. that's kind of come to me and um mm-hmm. it kind of still you know it really it really blows my mind because I was not raised with any type of religion sure. or anything like that and so I never really like spent time thinking about anything and um that's been it, it's weird because I've been like oddly drawn to it and I say oddly just because of like my upbringing and things like sure. that um but yeah, it's been one of the most powerful things that I've integrated into my life and consistent yeah. practices. Yeah. Did you think when you got into it that this would be such a big, I mean, obviously I'm sure you didn't think like, yeah, I know my business is going to grow by 30% when I get into this, but was it kind of a similar thing of like when you got into the business coaching world, like I'm just going to go on faith because it seems like this is what I need to do. Yeah. I felt really like even, even more so with the spiritual practice, it very much felt like it was calling to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. so great. Um, well, Nicole, I know you got to run. I know you got a busy day and I really appreciate you taking time to, to jump on here and, uh, come in. I love the work that you're doing and I wish you the continued success on everything. So I appreciate you talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really fun. I could definitely keep the conversation going. This is fun stuff. No doubt. (laughs) We'll, we, we might have to figure out a part two to keep rolling on this. This is great. So, uh, (laughs) if, if people want to, um, follow your content, you know, check out your stuff, you know, maybe uh, jump in and see what you got going on. What's the best place that we can send them? Yeah. So a couple of places. Um, my Facebook group is awesome. We do, I do so much coaching and training and content in there. Um, every single week it's authentic conversion, organic six figure online coaching business. Uh, and then I also have a podcast, which is authentic conversion for online coaches. And I'm consistent with it. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) Simple and consistent. Um, Nicole, you're awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Listeners, thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye guys. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.